Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. How's it going, Dodgers fans? Hope you're doing well out there. Welcome to the first official regular season episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast presented by Fansided. This is Kevin Klein speaking, and your Los Angeles Dodgers are off to a 4-2 and two start early on in the 2023 season after coming off a little mini sweep of the Colorado Rockies and splitting the four-game series early on. How about the start Julio Urias is off to for the Dodgers so far in 2023? He improves to 2-0 on the season after he threw six shutout innings Tuesday evening against the Rockies. He had six strikeouts over those six innings. On the season now, he has a 150 ERA, 12 strikeouts over 12 innings thrown. And the one thing that I've really noticed about Urias is that slurve. It's really sharp. It's carving up hitters. He's getting swings and misses. His fastball velocity and movement looks nice as well. Julio Urias off to a great start. Well, we have a listener question that I wanted to start with to kick off the show from Castillo Jason. So David, what has surprised you so far this season? Just for me? Uh, everybody. Oh, okay. I was about to get really excited. Um, <laughs> let's see. Oh, so, me? <laughs> yeah, I thought he was just, just asking me. Um, what has surprised me this season? Jason Hayward for starters, for sure. Didn't expect much out of him. I would like to say Outman, but I was kind of expecting big things from him. Cindergard definitely surprised me. He had a really good outing. Uh, and then I guess a negative surprise would be Gratterall. Um, hasn't pitched that bad, hasn't pitched that good, but one of you guys sent in the chat today, 27, uh, strikes or, or pitches or something and zero swing and misses, which is remarkable for someone who throws 102 miles an hour. I, I don't understand how that's even possible, even if it's right down the middle and flat. So I, I'd say Cindergard and Hayward are the two positives for me. And then a negative surprise would probably be Gratterall still not missing one bat yet. A uh, surprise for me is Miguel Vargas. I think what he's done at the plate is kind of remarkable. And it's weird how in spring training when they instructed him not to swing and he was eyeballing pretty much every pitch and really, you know, focusing on the pitcher and, and pitch selection and all of that, how that's carried over in the regular season where he's just a walking machine. And unfortunately he's dealing with a little bit of an injury, but his eye at the plate is really impressive. And also the fact that he's so solid at second base, I thought there was going to be some growing pains there. Now, granted, it is early, so we might still see that. But off the bat, he's been really great at second base. So I'm really impressed with him. I'm impressed with Outman. It just seems like, you know, with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman starting to get things going, they haven't really carried the offense. It's been everyone else pretty much. Uh, carrying the load, uh, especially Will Smith, who's been on fire. But contributions from J.D. Martinez, uh, a little bit from David Peralta. Um, Chris Taylor starting to swing it a little bit. You know, we've seen a little bit of pop. One of the surprises, though, for me uh, has been Max Muncy. Um, yeah. Just yeah. not great at third base. Very shaky, um, uh, especially in this last game against the Rockies. He's just felt like a few balls he could have gotten to. 
um, that he was able to. And then he's just kind of been a little lost at the plate, despite the fact that he had a home run tonight. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm expecting a little bit more consistency from him moving forward. Vargas has a 722 on base percentage with nine walks, which easily leads the Dodgers. Uh, you, you brought up a few other things that I want to hit on later, including the Max Muncy defense. Um, biggest surprise to me, though, just to answer the question, has to be Trace Thompson in his three home run performance in the Madison Bumgarner start. He's yeah. got three hits. What They're a all- loser Bumgarner is, by the way. Oh, he's the he's he aged be, so he poorly. Might be the worst pitcher in like milk right now. It's hard to think of a worse starting pitcher just off the last few years. Marco Gonzalez, your guy, Bumgarner, my guy, takes the crown right now. Pure joke, but yeah, Thompson three hits, three home runs, all one game. He's got eight RBIs. He was the Dodgers RBI leader till Will Smith surpassed him tonight. Another guy worth mentioning in a second. Uh, But I want to get back to the Dodgers starting staff as a whole, because right now, like I talked about a week ago, they are a top five worthy starting staff. They have a 180 ERA as a starting hole right now. 35 innings pitched, 35 strikeouts, no losses. Uh, Noah Syndergaard was brought up. He was excellent in his first start. Six innings, one run, six strikeouts. Clayton Kershaw in his first start, six innings, one run, nine strikeouts. Julio Arias, I already mentioned him, 150 ERA. He's already 2-0. And Dustin May. Yeah. How about Dustin May? He went seven innings, allowed only three hits, one walk. So the mechanics were there, four strikeouts, and kind of got forgotten because the game was blown when Alex Vessia in the eighth inning gave up two runs. Uh, another subject I don't want to hit on later. But the Dodgers starting staff. Yeah, he got right no now, run support. Yeah, one run. But – the Dodgers starting staff right now is looking phenomenal and maybe one of the biggest strengths of this team right now. To my recollection, I, I think they've only walked as a unit one or two guys. It's like I, it's been excellent. Yeah. It I was, tweeted this out actually. It's three. It's three, three collectively. Okay. So that's two from Grove and one from Dustin May. Aria Syndergaard and Kershaw haven't walked anybody. Correct. That's pretty electric. So back to Will Smith. Okay. Very, everyone was very high on him entering the season. Maybe the biggest all-star all-star snub since his tenure getting called up in the major leagues. Yeah. Talk about on fire, locked in, tied for the team lead with three home runs, 10 RBIs. He's got a 421 batting average, 1,478 OPS. And it looks like right now he's found a home as the Dodgers three hole hitter. I mean, he's put right now he's putting together an MVP caliber season. I mean, I don't think he's going to win it, but if you were to do an MVP ranking right now, he would be in the top three in the national league. So absolutely. I mean, there's no, there's no debating that. I mean, all the Dodgers need for him to do is produce in the three hole. Uh, Obviously hitting behind bets and Freeman is going to help him do that quite a bit in terms of run production, RBIs, uh, home runs, even, so he's he's been the perfect protectorate for those two guys at the top of the lineup. Uh, you can't say enough good things about it. And with J.D. Martinez playing the primary DH, uh, I think you're going to see him starting four out of five games this year. I think Barnes' only real starts are going to be Kershaw days. 
I think I agree with that. Yeah, Will Smith probably has to play 125, 130 games this season. The key will be, can his legs handle it? Yeah. Because right now it's very early on in the season and you're not really seeing any fatigue at the plate. But as the season goes on and there's wear and tear, it seems like in years past, there was some fatigue with Will Smith. So that will be an interesting phenomenon that the Dodgers have to manage as we get later on in the season, especially if this is going to be a tight divisional race. Yeah, I mean, you can mix them in that there was one know, of... when, when Martinez gets a day off as well. Uh, you put him at DH when J.D. Martinez gets a day off and stick Barnes in there to keep his legs fresh. That was one of the things that was a little concerning when we signed J.D. Martinez as the DH, which was you weren't going to be able to switch it around as much as they've done in years past. Kind of interesting to think about what the future holds, you know, thinking about Shohei Otani, what that means too uh, for Will Smith. Because yeah. they've been able to get him off his feet, you know, ever every so often, and now they they can't really do that at, at the risk of losing his bat in the lineup. So I would like to see them switch it around a little bit, even though even though JD Martinez uh, has been solid so far, but but maybe they're they're interested in trying to get him more rest, um, which would which would be nice. Yeah, I think there's a real conversation to be had down the line if the Dodgers do land Otani. Uh, obviously, he'd be your primary DH every night. Um, but with Diego Cartaya coming up, uh, Muncy's contract also coming up, I think there's a real opening at third base eventually if the Dodgers get Otani. If Cartaya does pan out, I think Will Smith could factor in in that third base race way down the line, but something to consider. That's too much for my brain right now. <laughs> <laughs> but the Dodgers offense... Was feast or famine? It felt like this team easily could be six and zero, in my opinion. Yeah, those two losses against the Diamondbacks, a little frustrating. Right now, they have a twenty-five run run differential. Be, yeah, yes, tw- plus twenty-five in the run differential. The first, are you kidding me? Of the season, though, this is a nuke segment. I'm kicking off. Has to go to Alex Vesia, game two. I mean, that hanging fat meatball of a slider that he threw to Kyle Lewis. What the hell are you doing, man? That blew the gem that Dustin May threw. And some of that fault should be shouldered on Roberts as well because the Diamondbacks lefties were not doing shit that entire game. So why are you giving Tori Lavelle the platoon advantage to sub in a Evan Longoria in place of Perdomo, who had no hits entering the season, sub in a Kyle Lewis, who was blistering hot all of spring training, for a Josh Rojas, who had no hits so far up until that season. We knew Alex Vessia. Great high leverage guy, usually historically, but early on in this spring, he had a seven ERA that he was carrying over. This was his first appearance of the season. Cost us the game right there. I did not like that matchup whatsoever. The other, are you kidding me? I have to give it to Max Muncy. The defense was brought up early on. There was a year ago where I said I had some question marks with Trey Turner's defense, and that proved to be costly. I do not want to see the same storyline with Max Muncy and this becoming a recurring theme all season where we're questioning is Max Muncy a reliable defender because so far he's looked really lost out there. He's allowing routine ground balls to go past him. He was asleep when someone on the Rockies tonight tried to do like a squeeze play against him, allowed the bases to get loaded. So Max Muncy, you got to tighten up there on defense. It looked like that play that you're talking about was a miscommunication with Urias. And I think that Muncy thought that Urias was going to go after the ball and then he didn't. And it was sort of like the, you know, who wants it type of thing. So that was a bit of a miscommunication. 
Um, but overall, yeah, I'm a little worried about him. I mean, we saw how last year that that one game that is burned in my mind, even though the Dodgers won 111, but the but the one against the Phillies in Philadelphia, Max Muncie at second base booting that ball, and that was the ball game. Um, it just has that has the makings of him making a very costly error and a really bad, really bad time. Um, it kind of makes you, I don't know, could could be the case. It kind of makes you appreciate Justin Turner a little bit more of how solid he was over there. And he got a lot of he got a lot of flack for his defense, I think maybe later on in his Dodgers tenure, but damn, he was as solid as they come. Not not I mean, his arm wasn't great, but his ability to stop the ball and field the ball at such a you know, great clip. Uh, we're missing that right now. Yeah, I actually think third base is his worst position out of between first and second base. I think he's more capable at the right side of the infield positions. But I mean, if it really comes down to it, you got options to either make a defensive substitution late or I mean, you could try J.D. Martinez in the outfield. So it's cool. kind of pick your poison uh, if you want to get both of them in the lineup. But you could make it work if you're starting Chris Taylor. You put him, you put Taylor at third. You put JD Martinez hidden somewhere in the outfield, and and you put Muncie at DH if 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 that's cool. the route you want to go. But I don't know. I think he's. I think it's still super early. He's had a couple bad breaks. He got hit in the nuts. So I'm not. I'm not too worried. I feel like he was a plus defender there two seasons ago. Also, then- how like what about Vargas? I know they want him at second base, and he's been good, but. Is he that much better or worse than Muncie is at third? I think they like Vargas at second more than they like Vargas uh, Muncie at second. I think that's I, what it is. I right. think Vargas is going to eventually have to be moved to third, though, especially if they want to actually incorporate Michael Bush on this roster. And if Gavin Lux comes back next season, who knows if he can even play shortstop? He might have to be their second baseman. Well, Bush has been working yeah. out at first and third, apparently, in AAA. That helps solve that problem, but that doesn't help Max Muncy's problem. I don't know. I'm not too concerned about his defense, honestly. He's had a couple bad breaks so far in the year. You know, I think that if that if Chris Taylor can handle the position defensively at shortstop, that's not a bad way to have him be in the lineup every day and then have Miguel Rojas be, be the backup shortstop. I know that Miguel's hurt at the moment, but... That would that would make more sense offensive wise, you know, to have Chris Taylor's bat in there versus Miguel Rojas's bat. Um, so that's an interesting thing to to think about. But it's funny because we have a ton of guys playing out of position. I mean, Muncie, yes, he's played a lot of games at third, but he looks out of position at third base. Mookie Mookie Betts obviously out of position at second base, even though he's looked pretty solid over there. Miguel Vargas is learning a new position. You got Chris Taylor kind of all over the diamond. So um, not a lot of uh, assurances defensively uh, for this team, which is something that I think they might have to address at some point um, as we get closer to the deadline. Yeah. Let's take a quick break right here to appreciate baseball being back and what's the best way to get into the ballpark to see your favorite team play some baseball hopefully the dodgers will download the tick pick app where you can get the best deals to see your favorite team and pay no service fees at checkout it's as simple as downloading downloading the tick pick app looking up who your team is hopefully the dodgers searching them see the price that's what you're paying because there's no service fees at checkout and it's not just baseball that you have to be limited to 
Your favorite band might be playing a show down the street. Go to TickPick, buy concert tickets, go see them live. And Coming up for the Dodgers, they got another four games against the Arizona Diamondbacks. They'll be basically be the same stars we just saw, minus Gallon, who pitched most recently against the Padres. So you'll see Merrill Kelly, Bumgarner, who's dealing with arm fatigue, but he claims he'll be ready for his next outing. And then after the four games with the Diamondbacks, they go to San Francisco to face the Giants for the first time this season. So the Dodgers have a pretty soft schedule to open up the year. These are the games that it would be nice to just take care of business, start to stat pad a little bit because I already looked ahead. May is a pretty tough month for the Dodgers. April's, on the other hand, soft. So let's start to get these wins. Um, Can I say something about the Diamondbacks real quick? Sure. Well, it's actually just about one Diamondback player. Corbin Carroll, if I was a catalytic converter, I would not feel safe around him. That dude just looks like he has <laughs> stolen catalytic converters throughout his entire life. Whatever he's doing with he's his, certain... <laughs> his, his, his look is not working for me. I, I, he looks like he's he... trying to look like he steals catalytic converters. He certainly has the speed to get away. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He's probably gotten away with a lot of theft of catalytic converters <laughs> specifically, and only that. So- Jeff McNeil also looks like a part of that same gang. Yeah. Yeah. Same enterprise. Young Jeremy 20 on Instagram. <laughs> this might be a shout out towards Jake. 40 and 10 oh, might not be 40 and 10 might not be so laughable. This team has some grit. And another gritty moment that I actually forgot to mention is uh, on Monday night against the Rockies when the Dodgers pulled off seven runs, all with two outs in that fifth inning. That was probably the most magical moment so far this season. That was remarkable. J.D. Martinez drove in a pair. James Outman had two triples in one game. The first daughter to do that since... Um, it was some weird name I hadn't heard Yossio in forever. Puig. Oh, really? 2014, yes. Oh, I was thinking of some other stat. No. And James Outman, the two triples, the opening day home run. It's been a nice boost so far to the Dodgers lineup. Loving the energy that these rookies are bringing, Miguel Vargas and James Altman. I'm calling this the next tandem that we had, such as Matt Kemp and Andre Ethier, and then Corey Seager, Cody, Cody Bellinger. Now it's Miguel Vargas and James Altman. Yeah, no, this team is really exciting to watch so far, and it's why I tweeted out on Monday night when the Dodgers got down in that game. You know, let's. there's a lot of game left. And the Dodgers offense needs to respond and pick up their pitcher because at that point they hadn't really done that. I mean, they kind of left Dustin May stranding uh, and and they didn't give him any run support, even though Vesia blew it later in the end of the game. Dodgers had a bunch of, you know, chances with runners in scoring position. I believe they were 0 for 6 in that game. So for them to pick up Michael Grove and Yancy Almonte and score all those runs at two outs was remarkable. And yeah, maybe 40 and 10 is a little ambitious, but I, I think that this, that this team is a lot better than people are giving them credit for. What are they four and two now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So you I, got I agree eight list, eight losses, 36 and eight. Now Jake is what you need. It's time. It's time to turn it on. I agree with the point that they are a lot better than people are giving them credit for. I don't care about them being 40 and 10 over their first 50, though. I would rather them be 40 and 10 over their last 50 and being white hot entering the playoffs. But it's April, so we just have to enjoy these moments right now. 
Another cool stat worth mentioning is that all three of Trace Thompson's home runs were 107.5 off the bat. Probably the first time ever in StatCast era where all three home runs from one player were the same exit velocity off the bat. So And so- off three different pitchers. So that's crazy. Yeah, so it's been a really interesting season for the Dodgers. Was it probably not last year? I don't know what year it was. Maybe 2021 where it just felt like that team was just sluggish and we didn't ha- really have anything exciting to talk about. But so far, these Dodgers are giving us plenty to talk about and there's a lot of excitement as we move It was forward. last year for the record. Okay. Freeman so- Freeman and Lux were the only one doing anything. Oh, and then Mookie well, Betts got super hot in May. Mm-hmm. You're right about that. Was there? I feel like we've covered it all. I mean, it's, it's only six games. I mean, another shout out on Instagram going to Desert Doyer. Imagine uh, the wind blowing. Imagine all that wind blowing. Something about that. He wanted us to get the sweep tonight. The Dodgers got the sweep. So there you go. How about the new stadium lights? How sick are those? I'm loving it. I know that Tori Lavello was pissed off about them, but I think it's, I think they're dope as fuck. Yeah. I mean, I've seen like the Braves do that. That's the one team that like, I remember they like turn the lights off when a new relief pitcher comes in. But I, I mean, I think it's sick and they Dodgers hit a home run. You get the air raid siren and the lights flickering. I think that's a huge, huge addition to the the vibe. Mm-hmm. Anything to add on that, Jake? I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's electric and I feel like a lot of stadiums are doing it nowadays, but, um, it just brings that, 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 that intensity to the ballpark, which I think is, is much needed. And also on top of that, the, uh, the, the drone light show looked pretty sweet. Yeah. Is that what they're doing instead of fireworks now? Well, they're doing both. Okay. Here's my, here's my, here's my non-controversial victory lap, but the pitch clock freaking rules. I mean, these games are going by really quick. There's more offense. There's less standing around. None of this pitchers taking forever. The Dodgers scored 13 runs the other night, and the game was still like two and a half hours. They're just, it's constant action. There's more runs, more stolen base attempts. These games are ending before 10 o'clock for the most part. Like last night's game, that was 13 to four. I guarantee that game would have ended after 11 p.m. if there was no pitch clock. But all throughout the league, there's just more constant action. I feel like more people are generally buzzed about baseball. I'm not really hearing any negative feedback whatsoever about in-game experience either. It just seems like for once, maybe in Manfred's life, he could take a W. So I've liked it more than I thought I would, but I still think you need to extend it a little bit. I think if you add three to five seconds and make it, you know, uh, like 19 seconds and 24 seconds instead of 15 and 20. I think that would still shorten the game, but also give these pitchers and hitters a little bit more w- wiggle room. And the one stupid, stupid, stupid idiot rule I saw today was Manny Machado had two strikes on him. He was not necessarily ready in the box, but also was in the box. And the umpire just called him out. There was, there was either runners on first and second or bases loaded. He was facing Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen was kind of on the ropes, and the umpire just called him out. So, Well, it was an eight-second violation. Well, exactly. That's stupid. Here's the thing. If the pitcher's ready 
and he's he's ready on the mound after you know the the umpire said you're good to go it shouldn't be an automatic strike the pitcher should just be able to throw his pitch and if the hitter's not ready for it that's on the hitter it shouldn't be an automatic strike the pitcher should just have be granted the ability to just throw the ball i mean just ending the inning like that is is beyond stupid maybe they'll adjust that i think right now they need to they're just trying to get the players accustomed to these clocks but the principle stands they needed a clock it's working generally for the most part and i think that i haven't looked at ratings yet but i feel like compared to last season i feel like there's just more excitement and buzz going on with baseball right now I have the same issue with David uh, uh, about the pitch clock because I love it. I, I, I've i really enjoyed it. I mean, all the way through spring training, the spring training games I went to and watching it on TV now during the regular season has been an absolute delight. The innings go by really quickly. And even in a high scoring game, the games don't take too long. So I love everything about that. But I completely agree with David. There shouldn't be an eight second rule. They should eliminate that completely. Get in the box. If you're in the box, the pitcher can throw whenever he wants to if you're in the box. And if you're not ready to hit, that's on you. But it shouldn't be a, a a violation. The violation should be, are you in the box? Not, are you ready to hit? And and enough of this, like, you got to make eye contact with, with the batter or, or whatever that rule is, too. That's really stupid. I, I think you can still have the pace that they have been having, but just eliminate that eight-second rule. It makes It makes no sense. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And if you add a couple seconds to the pitch clock, you're going to add five to 10 minutes to these games. They're still going to be fast paced. It's still going to be a lot shorter than before. And these teams, bottom lines are going to be a lot happier selling more concessions and and beer and and merchandise. So if the, here's what I feel like would happen though, if you don't have a clock for both sides, if the batter is not there yet, how do you know when to throw it? I'm not saying eliminate the clock. They have to be in the box. I'm just saying, but if Manny Machado 20... was in the box, he was yeah, yeah. in the box. Yeah. Once so he's I... in the box, pitcher, green light, if he's not ready for the pitch, that's on him. Right. But not automatic strike, no. I agree with that. I think they should make it maybe 12 seconds to, instead of 8 yeah. seconds. But yeah. they have to get these batters in the box. If there's no clock, then they're going to take their sweet-ass time. And if a pitcher throws it, with let's say, 3 seconds, where's like the fine line? People are going to be like, this is Bush League. Or if 8 it's five... seconds is too little. Yeah, they could go to 12. They could go to 15, yeah, maybe 12, 13, whatever. They're, they're working on it. They're working on it. We're in the right direction. Yeah, they just need to give them a little bit more wiggle room on both sides here. Tighten it up. Yeah. We're flying by. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to cover for uh, the first week of the Dodgers? Yeah, I mean, I have my idiot of the week. First All of right. the season. And go. it's a, it's a good one. And another thing, I'm going to keep track of these. Last year, I kind of just was going by memory, but I'm going to keep track of these. And we're going to have a standings board for who is going to be the biggest idiot of the year. 
All right, so, we're gonna, yeah, we'll have that. Good. We're going to have the, are you kidding me? We're just going to have a lot of standings apparently. Yeah. So also Ben Verlander gets a reprieve because he was my idiot of the week last week, but it's not going to count on the official scoreboard because it had the season hadn't started yet. So Ben, here's your one freebie. Here's your one mulligan. Tighten it up. First idiot of the week. And this is a no brainer. This is one of the, technically the season hadn't started yet, but I don't care. This is the first idiot of the week. Molly Knight. We all know Molly Knight. She actually tweeted this. This is a real sentence. Was hoping a rained out opening day at Dodger Stadium would draw attention to the severe effects of climate change that California has been experiencing this year. Alas, it is supposed to finally stopped, supposed to finally stop raining tomorrow and just be in the high 40s at 7 p.m. in LA. You want the Dodgers opening day, something you've allegedly been waiting five months for to be rained out to raise awareness for climate change in California. Like the Dodgers opening day is going to do anything being rained out is going to do anything, anything remotely close to anything for raising awareness to climate change. Also, pretty much a lot of people already know about climate change. I don't think the awareness thing is really much of a factor anymore. I think it's more of an action thing. We need to take action. And Dodger Stadium, if you if you care about that or believe in it or whatever, I don't personally care what you believe, what you want to do. But this take is preposterous. You actually want the Dodgers to get rained out to make to raise awareness for one of the most aware issues in our country. Shut up. Idiot of the week, number one, welcome to the standings. Well, I also add that she deleted the tweet too. Yes, like a coward. If you're going to take a massive shit by the side of the road, at least have the courage to stand by it. She is the undisputable, yeah, idiot of this past week for sure. I feel like ever since she lost her mouthpiece, aka known as AJ Ellis, she's just kind of fallen into irrelevancy and now just has to tweet or write about more off the wall issues to continue to get traction so that people like David will continue to <laughs> remind us of who she is. The, the Molly Knight who apparently once covered the Dodgers for ESPN 10 years ago. I just don't get how you can type that sentence. Like yeah, just I mean, make it a separate issue. Just make your own tweet about climate change. Just be like, Hey, it's rained a lot. That's kind of weird. Maybe we should do something about the planet. How about that? Why do you have to wish for opening day to be rained out? Like any like any Dodger fan in the world, maybe you can count on one hand. If it were rained out, is going to be like, hmm, you know what? Climate change, am I right? No, it's rain. Sometimes it rains. Nobody's putting those pieces together. Dodgers opening day and climate change. Just... No, it's just a no. I think you covered it. I'm just I'm I'm good to be back. I'm stumped by her uh, (laughs) idiocracy for sure. And I don't want to get in trouble. So I just I agree with I agree with it all. Trouble with who me? No, 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 not you. You know, she's got she's got a crowd out there. I bring them to me. Like who's agreeing with that take? Who? Greta Thunberg? Who else? Nobody. Literally nobody. Hopefully not. All right. Um anything 
Jake looks I mean, frozen, but yeah. No, he's. I think he's back. I mean, honestly, there's been a lot of parity. There hasn't really been like a uh dominant team in baseball so far. The Braves kind of look good. The Phillies finally won a game after going what zero and three or zero and four. Tampa um, Bay. They are, yeah. Oh, Tampa Bay. You're right. They look really good. They are. They are a, a contender without a doubt with that pitching. I always underrate them every year. I did not make that mistake this season, so hopefully I don't regret my pick. I think they could be the front runners to win the American League if they stay healthy with that staff. Yeah, my Blue Jays are two and three. <laughs> it's early, though. It's early. Very early. Dodgers prospects from my... 20... 20- Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jake. Go ahead, Jake. He's a little laggy. <laughs> a little laggy tonight. <laughs> so laggy. Um, my Phillies and my White Sox are so disappointing so far, but it's early on in the season. But damn, just just bad, just really bad. No Dodgers. The Phillies should, won their first game. No Dodgers fan should ever say my Phillies. Banned. Why? Or, because of that. Because of that three year. Because of that three year span that they fought against one another. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I'm okay with saying my Phillies. You're banned for it's a not day. like any of those guys are still on that team. I would. Well, and yeah. we had Chase Utley. Well, yeah. we can have another discussion about this, but Chase Utley was one of the most overrated Dodgers in Dodger history. No, he was, but I'm saying we had Chase Utley, we had Jimmy Rollins, we had Shane Victorino, we had all the villains. Chew Truies. Remember him? And all, yes, yes. Don't, and forget, don't forget Cole Hamels. <laughs> but, but saying Chase Utley is overrated is an insult of a take. Without him, they don't win that 2020 World Series, and they probably, you know, they will Oh, give me a time. break. He embranded a culture that they did not have. He turned Kike Hernandez into the player that he blossomed into. Corey Seager cites him as a mentor as well. Chase Utley had his fingerprints. All over the Dodgers run. So he should have Love been a coach. Guy. He might he should still, have been a coach. He could become a coach. No, I'm Love. saying when he was on the Dodgers, he shouldn't have been a player. He should have been a coach. He, he was a player coach. He well, player coach. he was doing a lot of playing. He kind of had to. Howie Kendrick was ass. Well, <laughs> Ned Coletti could have got somebody else. Well, it was Friedman, but. Was it th- really? Thanks for playing. Yes, we got Kendrick in the. Kike Hernandez, Barnes, Hatcher, all that. Oh, yeah, that's right. That, that was, was actually like one of his first moves, huh? Mm-hmm. That was one yeah. of his first big Friedman trades where we were like, who the hell is this guy? Trading D. Gordon, who was <laughs> basically an all-star. Who is this asshole? Trading Matt Kemp for Yasmani Grandal. But that was just Friedman giving us some early indications that he knew ball. The Matt Latos trade, though, not a good indication of knowing ball. How about Jordan Alvarez? Really had to go there. Really had to go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's I don't literally... think there, I. I don't think there's any any hitter in Major League Baseball right now that I fear more with the game on the line than yeah. Jordan Alvarez. That yeah. guy is the uh, most intimidating, scary presence in the box when, when your team needs to get out of a jam, and he has and he has the game on the line in his hands. I think for me, it's him and and Stanton. Stanton, you all you do is hate on the Yankees, and now you're picking Stanton. I've Come always on. liked Stanton. I think that he's super clutch, first of all, and second of all, in terms of scary presences with the game on the line, that dude can hit the ball to, to Mars. 
I think I'm red, going, hot, red hot Mars. After seeing the WBC, <laughs> I'm probably going Otani at this moment in time. Uh, Bobby I, Miller kind of carved him up that one time. Oh, come on. That was exhibition. Well. All um, right. We got a couple minutes left, so let's do this real quick. 2011 Dodgers top prospects coming into the year 2011. Ethan Martin talked about him. Bust. Alan Webster talked about him bust Aaron Miller talked about him bust Chris Withrow talked about him bust new name number six Zach Lee technically not a bust because of what it got us you can have that mindset for sure but the pitcher himself massive bust because he was a first round pick I'm pretty sure yeah he was number five Ruby De La Rosa any thoughts on him wasn't he just pitching for us in spring training? Welcome, welcome home. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> he's back like 13 years later. Yeah. Still a bust. Number four, Kenley Jansen. I mean, maybe the greatest Dodgers closer of all time from a statistical standpoint. So I think that one worked out. Yeah. Number three, Trayvon Robinson. Never heard of him. I'm right there with you. I don't know if he was related to Jackie, but bust. <laughs> I highly doubt it. <laughs> This is a this is a name that kind of got me a little perked up. Jerry Sands. Bust. Absolutely was a bust, but I thought for a second there we had something with Jerry Sands, and maybe that was for like a good week, and he fizzled out. And then number one, D. Gordon, we talked about. You him. know, I was going to say, Jerry Sands kind of gave me the uh, Andy LaRoche vibes where they had all that hype about them, but they never really – became anything yeah yep totally yep. thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the incline dodgers podcast where your daughters are four and two make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and please give us a five-star rating if you're loving and feeling what we got for you guys so far save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90 percent lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or 7-up all with your card shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply see site for details